0: topic, I think, is really relevant. Um, I was assigned Matthew 18, which we'll read in a second, and it's a parable about forgiveness. If you grew up in the church, it might be a parable you're familiar with. Um, but I, I think it's really important and relevant for, for college students, for all of us. Um, you know, one of the things that the Bible is, if nothing else, the Bible is extremely grim and realistic about life. And one of the things, um, no matter the culture, no matter the generation, no matter the person, one of the things that we all experience in this life is that you and I will be hurt by other people. Um, You and I will be sinned against. Um, You and I um, will be hurt. Um, It's like going to a play date one day. Let me give you a sneak peek about life as a young adult um, post-college with young kids, if that's you one day. You go to a play date with toddlers where there's like other toddlers and They all run around and then the adults try to have conversation, but you kind of do so with a lot of anxiety um, because you're just waiting for a kid to inevitably like get tackled or slapped or there to be yelling and screaming and hatred going on. And so you kind of are just waiting that moment to happen. And I actually think that like toddler playdates are a great image of life where we're just kind of waiting to get slapped. Um, hopefully figuratively but life is like this inevitable someone's going to tackle me down and so the question that this parable asks us is how will you respond Um, will you respond with love will you respond as a citizen in the kingdom of heaven who's been forgiven by the king or will you respond and continue to live and exist in this world with your anger and shame, seeking revenge and payback, unmoved by the grace of God? How will you respond? Um, my sermon is, is titled The Uncapped Forgiveness of Christians. It's the, it's the driving question that Peter is asking Jesus. How, how much do I have to forgive? Um, unlimited. Unlimited. And the message of this parable is, is really clear. Um, the more that we, you and I, come to grips with the forgiveness of God in Christ, um, the more forgiving of a person will become. And he actually goes to great lengths to, to make this really highlight and said, actually, um, I might go as far to say that an unforgiving person might be a sign of an unforgiven heart. Um, or another way to see it on a more positive end, a forgiving person is maybe a, a great sign of a forgiven heart. And so let's read this together, and then we'll chat through it in three different points. Uh, Matthew 18, 21 through 35. So Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often uh, will my brother sin against me and I have to forgive him? What, like seven times? Um, And seven here was like a really big deal. Um, In first century Judaism papers and and documents that we have, like two times was about the max that... Much of Jewish law would would require a folk to require uh, forgive another person, so seven's like, hey, I'll I'll take I see you two and I'll raise you five. How about seven? And and Jesus says, no, I don't say to you seven times, but seventy seven times or seventy times seven times, aka unlimited, unlimited. Um, and so, and he tells a story. He says, the kingdom of heaven, it may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. And so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. Notice exact same phrase. Have patience with me and I will repay you. And he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported this to their master, all that had taken place. And then the master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? In anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you. If you do not forgive your brother from your heart. It's the reading of God's word. And we're going to break it up into three points. Um, one, we're going to look at the difficulty of forgiveness. Why is it so difficult? Um, the answer is because it costs us something. Second, and we're going to look at receiving God's forgiveness. Um, God, what I hope you see is that God's love drives him to forgive. And third, it's living as a forgiven people. Um, we forgive others because we have been forgiven. And so the difficulty of forgiveness. Um, I love the C.S. Lewis quote. He says, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has someone to forgive. And I love that. Um, but why, why is that? Why, why is it so difficult to forgive? Um, and we're actually going to start at the back half of this passage. Um, and then we'll work our way forward, I guess, um, or backwards. Um, and look at the beginning. But the back half actually gives us a sign as to why is it so difficult to forgive? Verse 28, but when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And so he seized him and began to choke him, pay me what you owe. So why is it so hard to forgive? Um, it's, It's difficult to forgive because we are owed something and debts don't just go away. Um, And we're going to point this out in a a little bit. There is a vast difference between 10,000 talents and 100 denarii. But needless to say, that 100 denarii is still there. So why is it difficult to forgive? Um, Because it costs him something. To forgive him would still cost that man 100 denarii. So let's actually step back and talk about forgiveness. Um, And I'm going to give a practical example of forgiveness in your world and in my world But let's just kind of talk. There's four really. There's four steps to forgiveness, Um, and we're going to chat through each one of these. So the first step to forgiveness is there has to be this assumed a relationship, and that relationship has these assumed rules. And hang with me. Second, there has to be a a breaking of those rules. Um, Third, there has to be some sort of um, harm or debt or hurt, something, the problem. And then fourth, there has to be some sort of resolution or solution. And so there has to be. An assumed relationship and uh, assumed rules. So here, what's the relationship? Servant to master, the rules, um, we stay in good standing. Uh, What's happened? Broken rules, I owe him a lot of money. So what's happened? There becomes a debt, and he goes and searches for a solution. Um, What about in your world? Uh, Your friends hang out, and they don't invite you. And you get wind of this. So there's an assumed relationship. We're friends. Assumed rules. Maybe we've never said this, but man, I sure thought like when friends got together, like we all got together. And I heard it. You got together without me? So there's a breaking of the rule. So what's the third thing? Um, the third thing is that there becomes something enters into this relationship. There becomes hurt. There becomes debt. There becomes real pain. There's defined relationship, there's assumed rules, and there's broken rules, and now there's this debt. There's this emotional sadness, hurt, you know, feelings are are hurt, not being invited makes us feel rejected. And that hurt, let me tell you, that hurt does not just disappear. It can't. And we have to deal with it, which is the fourth part, which is the solution, and here we're going to see two radically different options. There's, there's a relationship. There's rules. Broken the rules. You didn't invite me. I feel hurt. And so there's the solution. And the solution is really hard. It's really difficult to forgive someone. Um, it costs us. And so generally we don't do it. Or maybe we don't want to do it. Um, and so we numb, we, uh, you know, this makes sense of a whole, I would say there's an entire industry driven by unresolved hurt and sadness, um, Netflix, YouTube, all of that in total excess. This thing is just skyrocketing because none of us, we all live with this unresolved hurt and sadness. We don't know how to solve the problem. There's hurt and we don't know what to do with it. You know, these feelings of hurt can tend to drive us into despair It drives us into self hatred. We start talking to ourselves with words of shame. We think, "Man, I'm so unlovable. I must be a piece of crap. If those people don't invite me over, no one wants to hang out with me." And that drives us into like further isolation. For a lot of us, we choose, you know, instead of moving toward any sort of restoring of this relationship, I'm just going to end it. I'm going to be right in my anger. My bitterness is going to grow. I'm going to go to my friends and I'm going to gossip. Or and you know what? I'm going to throw a party next weekend, and let's see who gets invited. Because screw them. You know, we might read this parable and laugh that he's just been forgiven a ton. And look at this fool, like he's choking this guy out and throwing him in jail. But we do the same thing. You know, I've talked through dozens in my four years on campus. I've talked through dozens of relational conflicts with people. And generally, our conversations end like this. Yeah. Okay. So here's what you should do. Um, I would encourage you to go towards that person. Maybe I won't use this technical of language. Hey, but say something like, "Hey, I thought we were friends, and like friends invited other friends over, and you didn't invite me over, and that hurt my feelings so much." Um. I forgive you. Um, but next time you have friends over, could you invite me? Almost. Every single time that person would say, yes, and I'm so sorry, or yes, gosh, you know what? I didn't even add you the text. I thought I did. Gosh, and you weren't there, and I was really sad, and you you go out to lunch afterwards, and you're fine. It's over. And and I play out the alternate solution to them. Or So you can do that, or um, you can can go out and numb. You can be angry. You can gossip. You can uh, let your relationship be affected by this. You can end the relationship. You know, time doesn't heal anything. I think time's a really good thing to help calm emotions, but it doesn't heal anything. So here's the thing. You can go this path, or you can go this path. And I'm telling you what, I'm yet to have one person take the first path. I don't know if anyone's ever done it. know why? Because it's difficult to forgive. It costs something. Do you know what it costs? It costs you to absorb the hurt to take the debt. It costs you yourself. It costs you that pain. It costs you a lot. So you can get payback, which is essentially you taking that hurt, that thing that's been created, and like slinging it right back in their face with revenge, gossip, slander, bitterness, ending the relationship. You can do that, and it will feel good for a little bit. I promise. Or... Um, you can absorb the hurt, the sadness, and the debt and move toward them. But the only thing that equips you to do that um, is love. It's Sacrificial love, which brings me to my second point in receiving God's forgiveness. What I hope you see in this point is that God's love drives him to forgive us, not the other way around. What I hope that you have taken away from that, if you've tracked with that four-part confusing um, understanding of forgiveness is that it represents a really beautiful glimpse of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who gave himself and forgave us because he loved us, not the other way around. He did not come and save us and forgive us and clean us so that we might be lovable. But because he loved us, he gave himself and he cleaned and he forgave us. His love for us actually drove him to forgive. For us, speaking about this relationship, and we'll eventually get our way to the first part of this passage, um, you know, this this passage really speaks about our relationship with God. Um, There's an assumed relationship, and this assumed relationship has rules. Um, God uses many illustrations throughout his word um, to describe his relationships with us, his relationship with us. We are his bride, we are his children, we are his friends, we are his beloved. In this parable, we're his servants, and he's the king. And this relationship has particular rules. Um, You know, there are many ways in which we understand these rules, um, but there are ways in which our relationship with him thrives. There are ways in which our relationship flourishes, and there are ways in which our relationship with him diminish. We see clearly a few passages I wanted to point out. Sorry, Tommy, I should have told you this. Uh, John 15 He uses an imagery of vine and branches. And he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides, another word for there is whoever remains, whoever remains in my love and I in him, it's him or her who will bear much fruit. It's him or her who will flourish. You remain in my love and you'll flourish. And then a few verses later, he goes to answer the question, well, how do we go ahead and remain in your love? And in verse 10, he says, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love, so we see this intimate relationship depicted as branches and vine. Um, and just a few chapters earlier, we see it in John ten, depicted as a sheep and a shepherd. And the shepherd goes out, and he says, "The sheep hear my voice; I call them by name, and I lead them out." There's a hearing. There's a there's a there's a relational rule here. I'm going to follow. He's going to go out, and I'm going to follow. And this will lead to a flourishing relationship. We obey. We listen. We follow His lead. You know, Jesus summarizes um, these, these commandments um, in two really ways. I'm going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and I'm going to love your neighbor as yourself. And these two commands are summaries of the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are a summary of the other 603 commands in the Torah. And those Ten Commandments also really give way into all the commands and the imperatives and the teachings of Jesus and the apostles in the New Testament. They're all really summarized into do. These two things. He says. when we obey these things, we abide in his love. We remain near to his love. It's not that we remain loved by him, but we remain near to his love. And when we disobey, um, that's described as like wandering. We're like a, lo- a wandering lost sheep. And so here's the dilemma. Is that the Bible depicts all of us as like these mixed bags, Um, We're these sinners and we're these saints. Um, We're people who bless, but man, it's easier to blame. We're people who love, but man, it's easier to hate. Um, We're people who befriend, but it's a little easier to bully. We're people who are humble, but I really want to boast. We're people who serve, but it's a lot easier to lust. We're people who are grateful, but it's a lot easier to covet. We're a mixed bag. You know, there's a defined relationship depicted in all sorts of different images. There's assumed rules, and we break them. And here's why all this matters um, because in our breaking, we've created a debt, um, we've created hurt. And so now we can look at the first half of this parable um, and, and make sense of it where we are the servant, and he is the king. We're the one indebted 10,000 talents. Um, Talent was the highest form of currency. 10,000 was really the highest conceivable number in that time. So the story is told in a way to expose the foolishness of the servant who got himself into such unthinkable debt. It's a parable that's meant to make the listener laugh. Like, yeah, right. No one in their right mind could stir that much debt up. And in their laughter, there becomes then this serious moment of like, oh, Wait. Um, I love, do you guys listen to Jim Gaffigan, or have you heard of him? Um, Okay, so it's never good to imitate a a comic because you never do it justice, but he does a stand-up routine where he talks about this terrible trip where he took, in his stupidity, took four young kids. This is a dumb idea, Brandon, right? Four young kids to Disney World in July. And he's like, and he tells this story, we were waiting in line for an hour and a half in the blistering hot um, sun, and my kids are like pulling on my pants And I all for the all for this stinking Dumbo ride, for a two-minute Dumbo ride. And he's like, "We end this hour and a half wait." And I get, and there's a mirror, and I look in the mirror, and I say, "No, I'm the Dumbo." Um, (laughs) And that's right. And this would happen here. They're like laughing. They're like, "This is ridiculous." Oh, oh, I'm, I'm the Dumbo. Um, That's me. I'm the one who's found myself in this unthinkable debt. It becomes this moment of of reality. And so the the king looks on him and, hey, what about, I'll I'll sell my my, my wife and my, my kids and we'll all go into slavery, we'll pay back this debt. And the king knows that putting yourself into slavery, that won't even get you close. It won't even get you close. You know, this parable actually, and one of the people I was reading about this, says that it doubly exposes this man as a double fool for thinking he could actually work his way out. The servant says to the master, have patience with me. I'll pay you back everything. And He's like, no, you won't. You need one thing. You need my mercy. You know, I think the application for here is so clear. You cannot work your way back. Um, We cannot pay back the debt we've created. Because even in our good works, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I do really good things, I want other people to notice I'm doing really good things. Um, Sometimes when I do really good things, I don't want to do them quietly. So even sometimes in our good works, man, it's just like, I mean, that was kind of good, I guess. This is our situation. How foolish of us to think we can pay back 10,000 talents. So, there's a relationship, there are rules. We've broken these rules, we've caused this hurt, we've caused this debt, and we cannot pay it back. We are in need. And now you understand the weight and the gravity of the master's compassion. The text says that the master looked at this man out of pity. That's the same Greek word for compassion. He looked at this man and had compassion. And he released him and forgave him the debt. You know, how could he possibly do that? You know, again, the ten thousand talents. That's a lot of money, I man. That's gonna that's gonna make the economy run for several years in this place. And This is which is one of the clearest gems in the gospel, because God says, "You hurt me. You've created this debt, and it has to be repaid." But because I love you, because I'm deeply committed to you, because I desperately want your good. I'm willing to pay your debt. I'm willing to absorb the hurt. He took on the hurt. He took on the debt because he loves us. He has compassion on us. You know, and Jesus' life shows us. who, who, Who was Jesus but the one who moved toward the lame, who moved toward the leper, and showed them forgiveness, forgave their sins, and healed them and cleansed them and restored them back into society because he loved them. And the reality is that today and tomorrow and for the rest of your lives, you're going to sin, and that sin's going to stack up against you on your record. You owe him 10,000 talents, and you cannot pay it back. And the good news of the atoning sacrifice of Christ on the cross is a declaration that those 10,000 <laughs> talents has been paid. He's taken on the hurt and the debt for our sin. You know, one of the most fascinating passages in 1 John 1 9. Where he implores us to confess our sin. He says, for God is faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins. It's a curious word, just. You can look at it the other way and you can say, if he doesn't forgive, it's actually unjust for God to not forgive your sin. That's interesting, right? The only way it would be unjust for God to not forgive your sin what, what, the, what he's saying here is because your sin has already been paid, he cannot go about charging you even more. What you owe has already been paid. It would be unjust for him to hold anything against you any longer. It's already been paid. I love that. So how do we live in light of this? Um, That's the last point. Living as forgiven. Um... You know, this parable is is Jesus' creative way of of answering Peter's pretty straightforward question. How often do I have to forgive? Um, And Jesus says that life in the kingdom of God is like this. Forgiveness is uncapped. It's unlimited. That's how often. You always forgive. And you know why? Because of the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And I want to think about this component of love Um, And I want us to get back to this uh, first example of not being invited over. I get it. It hurts Um, to not move towards. This happened to us a few weeks ago. We're like, wait, aren't we all like friends here? And I'm like, wait, I guess we just weren't on the text string um, when you guys all got together Um, to not move towards that person. With forgiveness, to not address and name the hurt, to not go through the process of forgiveness is to essentially proclaim by your actions, you are not worth it. I'd much rather just cut you off. It's a declaration that I'm choosing to close my heart off to you than open it up in a vulnerable sort of love for you. I'd rather shut you out. I'd rather go to my friends and spread slander about you. Because know what that does? Oh, it makes me feel like I'm part of a good team. To move towards that broken down sinner who just did you wrong um, is a really costly thing. It must be driven by love. Um, you know, Four years in the ministry um, on campus, what do I know? Um, but here's what I've seen. One of the most confusing things for me um, is... The emphasis that the New Testament gives to particular things, mainly sins, um, and then what we give attention to. um, What sins we give attention to. Here's what I know. The New Testament talks about slander and gossip and forgiveness and unforgiveness at like 20 times uh, the the length that they talk about drunkenness. 20 times. Does that mirror how you think about it? it? Or is it like, I mean... Getting drunk's not good. Um, But but when you think about being a Christian, what's the main category for you? Is it just being someone who's sober on the weekends? Or is it being a forgiving person? Because what I see is a bunch of sober people spreading terrible gossip. I don't think that reflects the heart of Christ and the New Testament doesn't, doesn't, doesn't give me the ratio that we're going for. And here's what I've learned, and here's my heart. Um, That to be a forgiving person on a college campus in 2022 is one of the greatest witnesses to the love of Christ that we can give to people on this campus. To to establish something here where we're a people, you can come into this group and we're going to screw up. But don't worry, we will forgive you. We will move towards you. We will not put you down and make you look like a fool. Man, I'd want to be a part of that group. We want people to know God and live in his love. And scripture talks about how that happens through being a forgiving, a forgiving people who live with an uncapped forgiveness, who live as a people who do not gossip and slander, but who build one another up and assume the very best about one another. So here's the homework for you. Um, and you could talk to Brandon or Avery about this if you need to help. Um, but the, the question's simple. Who do you need to forgive? Or maybe even this, um, maybe you've gone out and you've figuratively choked and thrown someone else in prison. Who do you need to say sorry to? The reality is that the Lord, if you are in Christ, the Lord has eternally forgiven you, a debt that you cannot pay back, driven by his love for you. And now go out to your brother and sister and forgive them. Now, I love this, the movie um, Les Mis, uh, also a book. And Les Mis is a story about a man named Jean Valjean who was a criminal and got out of prison and on his first night out of prison, he goes to the home of a bishop and he breaks into the home and he steals the valuables of this bishop. And um, the movie depicts out on his way out, the bishop tries to stop and he clocks the guy in the head and escapes. Um, The next day, the the guards have been keeping a close eye on Jean Valjean since he was, you know, a recently released criminal. Um, and they catch him, and he has a bag full of goods, lots of valuables in his, in, his, in his bag. And they bring him back to the bishop's house, and they say, hey, we found the man. And the bishop says, Jean Valjean, you fool. You left my house last night, and you didn't take with you the most expensive thing. Here, my brother, here are these candlesticks. They're worth $2,000 apiece. And the, the cops kind of look stunned of like, "Wait, so he was telling the truth. He didn't steal this." It's like, "No, no, no. He's telling the truth." And they release Jean Valjean. And, and before he leaves, the bishop comes and looks him in the face, and he says, "Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil. With these candlesticks, I have bought." back your soul i've ransomed you from fear and hatred and i give you back to god and the rest of the story is kind of the anti this it's the story of jean valjean who understood the weight of that forgiveness and the cost of it and it changed his life forever that's the invitation that's the invitation for you tonight when you let the weight and the cost of the forgiveness that God has shown in Christ on your behalf, and when you let that impact the way that you look and treat others. Um, I do want to pray in a second, but every time I talk about forgiveness, I want to throw in one caveat because it's really worth pointing out. Um, Here's what I recognize. The example I gave is um, maybe more trivial than some of the harm that's been done to some of you. Um, It's one thing to not be invited over to a friend's house, and it's another thing to discuss what forgiveness looks like for um, maybe a parent who cheated on another parent, or a friend or a, a family member who abused or abandoned you. It's another thing to discuss those who've oppressed and used and abused you. And here's what I would say to you. Um, there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Um, reconciliation is a two-party event. And most of the time I talk to people and th- they feel that there's a need now to go and reconcile. Reconciliation in those situations takes lots of time and wisdom and support from people around you, particularly mentors in your life. If, if, if what you're hearing tonight um, about forgiveness is striking a chord with you and there's real harm and trauma that's there, my, my encouragement to you Um, is go talk to Brandon. Go talk to Avery. Um, Forgiveness is a heart thing that you can do and that God does want you to do and God does call you to do. Um, Reconciliation is a whole other thing. Um, I wanted to end with that um, because I do know just about every time I've talked about forgiveness in RUF, there's always people afterwards that come and tell real horror stories. Um, And I know it's just a very delicate thing. Um, Let me pray. and. Let's close our night with, with a song of worship. God, we do thank you that you are um, one who pursued us and who forgave us, who gave your son for us. And Jesus, you gave yourself to us because you loved us. Um, would, we, would we just taste and experience the gravity of that? And would it change us? Would we feel the freedom of, oh my gosh, what possibly could I do to escape that sort of love? And Would that propel us to be one who is just so um, in love with you and quick and eager to forgive? Um, help us to that end. I pray for those who, um, as, I, as I spoke tonight, just spirit as you were tugging at their heart and bringing something to mind, would you give them the courage and the boldness to actually take a next step with that? Um, that, that Whatever's burning them, whatever's weighing them down, would not, would not weigh them down and burn them any longer that they would experience the freedom of your gospel, the freedom of, of your love in that way. Help them with that. We pray this in your name. Amen.